I don't know about you, but this week of the year, this week between Christmas and New Year's, always catches my attention in a special way. Um, special might be the wrong word to say, but in a unique way at least, of just year-end stuff. And then as uh, my social media feeds keep plugging all these different things of how'd your year go, how to make the new year better, and, and all these sorts of things. And it, it causes me to stop and think about, so how did my year go? Or how is my next year going to go? And, and how do I plan accordingly? Or what decisions do I need to make in this last four or five days of this year that are going to help me wrap up this year, get into the new year, and perhaps in a better situation or a better, um, you know, there's all those year-end tax things you got to think about. Like, what do I need to do by the end of the year to, to, to get those done, right? Clock's ticking, okay? You know, I got a couple more business days to make those things happen, but, uh, um, right? So we, we think about those things. Our, our mind naturally tends to go towards uh, the first January 1 being a start of something new, whether that's uh, we kick things off with prayer week or it's I'm going to start reading through my Bible afresh in, on January 1 so that I've got a full 365 days to get through this thing. Or, you know, January 1 is the day I'm going to start my diet. Or January 1 is when I'm going to start exercising. Or, my, or January 1 is going to be whatever it is, right? Not that there's something special about January 1. Um, it's just an easy t- target of we're starting a new year, things roll over on the clock and the calendar, and, and therefore, all right, if we're going to start it, there's the time to do it. But sometimes when we go through these things, um, we, we just blaze through those sorts of plans, right? We, d- we don't give attention to actually reflecting on how the past year went, right? We don't give attention to um, how perhaps I want the new year to go. It's just, we're going to see how it goes and d- play the cards as they come at us, so to speak. And I don't know how you go about reflecting on things at the end of the year. I don't know how you approach a new year. I don't know... Um, maybe you're not a planner at all, right? And there's, there's a place for you people, okay? Um, it drives me nuts, um, right? But uh, I like to know at least what's going to happen. So when things come up that aren't, you know, on my task list, they're not on my calendar, um, those, those throw me a little bit. So I, I like to plan, um, hopefully not to a, a, a fault, but... I like to try to pull these things together. But tonight, I want to, I, as we're thinking about those, or I've been thinking about these things, I want to bring you along in my thought process with, uh, with a passage that has been helpful for me to think through how do we go about looking at a new year or a new season of life or whatever it may be, right? There's nothing special about January 1, but, but it's an easy time to think about these things. So James chapter 4 tonight, I want us to look at a, a short passage here that uh, maybe orients us a bit to think through these things. James chapter 4, James has spent the first part of this chapter uh, walking through issues of what he just broadly terms as worldliness, right? You've got quarrels among you, you're asking and you're, uh, and you're not receiving, you're failing to resist the devil, uh, you're speaking evil against one another. 
And, and he makes a transition coming out of verse 12 into verse 13. So 13 through 17 is where we're going to spend our time this evening. Um, but he's moving the discussion from worldliness broadly into um, another broad term, the problem of pride. Right? A problem that goes hand in hand with the sin of, world, sin of worldliness, but one that when we come to planning, we don't tend to think about it being prideful. So let's read James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it's sin. Okay, so some of us might look at this and be like, oh, so I maybe I'm not supposed to plan. Okay, let me just get this off the table right off the bat. James is not calling them out for planning, right? James is, is simply using an illustration of planning to get to the heart of what uh, he, what's going on in the Jewish, uh, the Jewish travelers, the Jewish businessmen of that day, right? There's an illustration here in verse 13 that these men are saying, here, today or tomorrow, I'm going to go and do this or that, and I'm going to spend an amount of time there, a year. And while I'm there, I'm going to trade and do business and make a profit, right? James doesn't call that idea out, right? I'm going to do these sorts of things. What he does, though, is he calls out their attitude about it, right? Because they're saying, I mean, I'm reading the ESV. It says, come now, you who say, right? There, there's this like, hey, listen up. Pay attention because you're actually going about what you're planning in a wrong manner. You're focused too much on yourself with this, right? And, and, and he's walking through this traveling illustration and he say, well, it's first century, like, are they really making that big of travel plans and such? Yeah, there, I mean, there's travels and there's, uh, I mean, if we walk through like some of the travels of Paul throughout the New Testament, we see that he actually makes some significant changes on, on relatively short notice sometimes. Right, so this isn't some like foreign idea that they're going to all of a sudden, today or tomorrow, I'm going to go and do this or that. Right, today we say, oh, big deal. Like I'm going to jump in the car tonight and by the morning I'm going to be, you know, South Carolina or wherever it is. Or I'm going to hop a plane and, and tomorrow morning I'm going to be in Europe or whatever it may be, right? That seems more reasonable for us in, in a modern day, but that was kind of how these guys operated then too. And they're doing it of this is what I'm going to do. Right, I'm, I, I am going to go and we're going to set up shop in this town and I'm going to spend a year there and we're going to make money. Right, and, and to further combat the idea of, of James is not condemning planning, if we were to go to Luke chapter 14, Jesus actually instructed his followers there to take the time to consider the resources they had before diving into a t specific task which we could just broadly call as planning, right? So this isn't like, don't ever plan. So the problem is being illustrated using this business travel. And he clarifies that in verse 14 when he says, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. 
right? I don't know about you guys, right? I, I already showed a few of my cards here of like, I'm a planner. And one of the first things I do in the morning is I look at my task list and my calendar, right? What's, what's coming down the pike today? What do I need to get done? How am I going to get it? Like, do I have enough time to get all these things done? Did I overplan my day? Whatever it may be, right? Um, when, we're, when we're walking through this though, like that, when I all of a sudden get to like 10 o'clock in the morning and a phone call comes up that just derails the rest of the day, like one, I deal with it, but it, like it, it becomes frustrating sometimes, right? Because like, well, I had all these things to do, but that wasn't the plan God had for me that day as much as I had a plan for that day, right? And here's what, here's what James is saying, right? You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, right? We could go as further as like, we don't know what tonight is going to bring to bring it even closer, right? We, we don't know what the rest of the evening will bring. We don't know what the rest of this week will bring. We don't know. And he, and he couches it in the terms of, of the shortness of life, right? What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes, right? We, we could sit here and think about people that were in our midst a year ago that aren't here today, right? God has called them home, right? They're, that I would bet for some of them, they, they thought they would still be here today. And yet they're not. That was God's timing of when to call them home. We have no idea when that, when that day is, right? But we do know that we're supposed to use whatever we're given to, uh, as unto the Lord. So as we're planning things, we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We don't even know if we're going to have it tomorrow. And I'm not trying to be dark and grim about this. Like, that's just a reality, right? So when we walk through this, the point I think he's trying to draw out of verse 14 is that how can we so confidently pronounce what's going to happen in the future when we don't even know what the future is going to hold, right? I can say tomorrow I'm going to do X, but I really don't know what tomorrow holds, right? I'm not the sovereign ruler who reigns over all these things and therefore knows exactly the, to the minute how tomorrow will play out. I've got an idea based on the information that I have, but I don't have all the information. Right? This same idea comes out of Proverbs chapter 27. Verse 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not, do not know what a day may bring. We don't know. Right? We, we, we simply don't know. And yet, here are these businessmen saying, Here's what I am going to do. I am dogmatically going to go about making these plans because this is what I'm going to do because I am, they didn't say it this, but I am effectively the sovereign of my life. So how do we deal with that? How do we, how do we, how do we wrestle through making sure we're not like these Jewish businessmen? Right? It's not wrong to make plans. Jesus instructed people to make plans. James isn't condemning people making plans. So how do I make plans and yet do it in a way that's honoring to the Lord? Well, verse 15 picks that up, 
right? It's, it's, it's almost like verse 14 is like this side thought and he picks back up with verse, the thought process of verse 13 when he starts giving us the resolution, right? If the, if the problem is pride, then the resolution is humble submission, right? So as we think through how do we humbly submit ourselves, he says it point blank in verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Now, oftentimes we probably go about saying, someone will ask you, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Or what are you doing tomorrow? And we'll say something. And perhaps in our mind, we're actually thinking, if the Lord wills, I'm going to do these things, right? But, and we don't say them. And there's, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, right? Like we can, we can go through life and not say that particular phrase and actually have that attitude, the right attitude in our hearts and minds with it, right? So Acts 19, um, Paul is in Ephesus and he states that he's going, he intends to visit Rome and he's traveling to Jerusalem and Macedonia and Achaia. And guess what he doesn't say? Some form of if the Lord wills, right? In Romans chapter 15, he told the Romans about his plans to visit Rome on his way to Spain. He didn't say, if the Lord wills, like explicitly, right? But we do have comments throughout the New Testament where Paul did say these sorts of things. In Acts chapter 18, Paul told the Jews at Ephesus that he would return for a renewed ministry among them if God wills. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 19, um, he, sa- he said that he planned to visit them on another occasion if the Lord wills. Later in chapter 16, he says um, that he would be with them for a considerable amount of time if the Lord permits. And while it's not the exact statement type of thing, but Paul told the Philippians that he hoped in the Lord to send Timothy to Philippi in Philippians chapter 2, and that he trusted in the Lord to be able to go to Philippi himself in the near future later in chapter 2. Right, So I think it's fair to say from both the, the explicit statements and just the idea of what Paul is doing in these other statements that I've mentioned, that's the, that's the model that Paul is living out. So we don't need to get caught up in this whole, well, they didn't say if the Lord wills, so they've got the wrong attitude about this. I mean, that might be the case, but that's not automatically the case. Right? Instead, um, we've got to make sure that our attitude in all of this is correct, right? Instead, at least in our hearts, we ought to be saying, if the Lord wills, I'm going to do this or that. If the Lord wills, I'm going to live life in accordance with what God wants for me to do tomorrow, right? Because that's even drawing, even the we will live portion of that, of verse 15, draws on the idea of we may not even have physical life tomorrow. So what James is talking about and what Paul demonstrated for us is not some magic formula, right? As long as I say these words, then these things will be okay. However, we've got to have a proper attitude that's being kept in front of us. Homer Kent put it this way, when one's perspective is correct, it will be reflected at times in words, but always shows in the way he looks at life and makes his plans, right? If this is actually how, we, how we're uh, thinking, regardless of whether I say it or not, it's going to be evidenced. So we've got to recognize two things, though, as, we, uh, as we're thinking about verse 15. 
We've got to recognize our dependence on God as our, as we plan our day and our future, right? If the Lord wills, then here's what I'm going to do, right? There's a dependence on there, but I've also got to recognize, uh, our dependence on God for life itself, right? I cannot even make the plan if God doesn't give me breath to make it, right? I can't, I can't pursue this goal if God doesn't want me to, right? If God doesn't want me to walk through this door, then he's going to shut it, right? If, if God doesn't want me to, um, to even exist in this context, then he has the power to take care of those things, Amen. right? We've got to recognize our dependence is on the Lord, not on ourselves, right? He is the sovereign one reigning over all of us. Not, not, it's not like I'm sovereign over me and Rick's sovereign over him and Jim's, right? It's like, we live like that sometimes, but that's, that's the reality. It says that's not true. Wait, we can't, we cannot plan business activities, family activities, church life, um, school life, whatever it may be. We cannot do these things with complete certainty because we're not the one that holds the, the future in our hands. Right? As much as I want to plan out the next like 15 years of my life, I don't even know what exactly tomorrow looks like. Right? Sure, I'm making plans for things 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the road. But what if the Lord doesn't allow those things to happen? What if the Lord decides to take me home tonight or tomorrow? Right? We don't know. So James, again, is not finding anything wrong with their planning. It's the warning of the text is that what's our attitude in all this? Right? He's not pushing back, or sorry, he is pushing back in that we're leaving God, or, or at least these people, are leaving God out of their plans. They're, they're leaving them out, and they're, they're going about it saying, here's what I'm going to do. So as we think through this, this solution a little further, uh, verse 16 and 17 seems to put it, um, a, an interesting twist on it. Right, verse 16, as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. And those that plan, we don't tend to think of it as like, I'm arrogantly putting this plan together. Right, it's like, I'm trying to be a good steward of the things that God has given me. And I'm trying to make sure that all the different pieces can fit together correctly and, and, and the, the, the chess pieces of life, so to speak, all actually are in the correct spots at the right time. But when I boast in the fact that I've got the plan together, apart from saying, here's my plan, Lord, and kind of holding it out there with open hands of do what, do what, you, with, what you will with it, then I'm actually being very arrogant about that. I'm, that's, that's, where, that's why I said the problem is pride back up at the beginning of it, right? Because we're, we're so focused on, I'm doing all of this. I'm arrogantly saying, this is how it's going to be done. And if we think about the idea of boasting in their own abilities and their own plans, which is the idea James is drawing on here, it reminds me of, Je- of Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, 
that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Right? We want to boast in anything. The only thing we can boast in is in the fact that we actually know the Lord. It's not wisdom. It's not finances. It's not planning. It's nothing apart from the Lord. Right? And these men are found boasting in their ability to forecast the future. Their, their ability to try to say, this is what, so say it's 2024, right? They're looking at it and saying, you know, January 1, we're going to go off into this city and here's what we're going to do and we're going to make a profit and this is what it's going to look like come January 1, 25. And James is sitting here saying, hold on, buddy. You actually need to stop and think because you have no idea exactly what 2024 is going to look like, right? If the Lord allows, sure, that might be what happens and how the, Lord, how the year plays out. But it might be completely left field from what you have planned out. What are you going to do with those sort of thoughts? Right? When, when they're walking through this, they are actually um, committing sins of omission. Right? They know what they need to do, but they're not doing it. I mean, that's, that's where uh, verse 17 plays into this. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Right? James is warning them, hey, you've got all these great plans. There's nothing wrong with planning, but you need to submit them to the Lord's will because if the Lord allows you to have life and allows you to, to prosper in these ways, great. But if you're not going to commit them to commit them to the Lord, you're going to be arrogant about it, then you need to make sure that you recognize that this is considered sin. Right? Something similar, uh, and this isn't something uh, that is totally new to James. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, and verse 23, we find this, Moreover, as for me, Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, and I will instruct you in the, in the good and the right way. And I bring that verse into this because Samuel provides the principle that they, were, they called a failure to pray a sin against the Lord. Right? He knew he was to pray, and failing to do so was considered a sin. We know that we're supposed to submit our, our plans and really everything we have. We know we're supposed to submit those to the Lord. So by not doing that, it's sin. So as we wrap this up, what am I supposed to do with this? Obviously, our heart attitude needs to be, God, whatever you bring before me, as much as I'm planning, if you're going to allow me to do this, if you're going to give me the breath to do this, then may it be. Right? And, and perhaps one of the easiest applications is just, what are you doing this weekend? Well, I'm doing X, Y, Z, if the Lord wills. Right? And, and saying that, like, we're going to have a bunch of us running around inner city, like, if the Lord wills, if, and, and that would be awesome, right? It's not necessary, but that'd be awesome, right? As long as our hearts are, are reverberating that, that's the idea James is going for here, right? But the bigger thing here is I can say all that, and my attitude behind it is actually not there, right? If, if I've got to check my attitude, I can't go about planning uh, my future as if I'm the sovereign, I'm not. And if you haven't picked it up yet, you're not of your life either. Right? We are, we're not in complete control. 
And as much as we think we're in control, we're probably actually not in control. And as much as we might consider various factors and seek to make wise choices and discerning choices, and in light of all the different factors that we know, we don't see it all perfectly. Right? We could go through a bunch of different illustrations of that, but, but, but we don't see every aspect of our life perfectly. So how do we see this attitude manifested in my life? Right? Am I actually submitting my plans to the Lord? Like when I make a plan and I see my response to those plans come to be, am I like, am I disgruntled about it when it doesn't go the way I planned? Right? I'm not sitting here saying like, oh, here's how I plan and here's how the Lord directed and I'm just going to be like this bundle of joy just because whatever's happening is going to happen, right? There, there's some emotions that go with all this stuff, right? But at the same time, God is directing and am I more concerned about my plan playing out or am I more concerned about God's plan playing out, right? Am I, am I going to turn around and basically be upset and like I didn't get my way and throw an adult t- temper tantrum like a toddler, because the plan didn't go the way that I planned it for the next 15 years or even for the next five days or five hours, right? I mean, that's the things we kind of do. Or am I willing to adjust my course so that the name of the Lord may be lifted up and glorified versus me being lifted up and glorified? And as a Christian, we should not be planning for the future as if we're the sovereign rulers of our lives we've got to consistently be submitting those plans to the one who is sovereignly reigning and ruling, God, right? Asking the Lord, God, this is what I think you have for me. I'm going to start walking down this path. And if we need to adjust it, you make those adjustments for me, right? So as we plan out our days, our weeks, our years, whatever it may be, let's be mindful of what our underlying attitude is in all of this. Am I full of pride saying this is the way it's going to be? Or am I actually humbling myself and submitting my plans to the Lord so that we can, while I'm seeking to steward things the best I can with what he's given me, I'm also willing to, to take the nudge and direct change my path as a result of what the Lord's doing in my life. Right? How are we going to go about tonight, tomorrow? The easy one to talk about is well, how are we going to go about the new year? Am I going to enter those sort of things or am I going to just be like, here's what I'm doing? And we'll see in 25, right? What is your attitude in these matters? Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your word. Thank you for this reminder from James that we need to be submitting all of ourselves, our plans included to you, knowing that you will guide and direct our steps. God, may we be uh, diligently seeking to honor you with every aspect of our life, specifically as we seek to make plans uh, for whatever days you have ahead of us. God, we ask that whatever days that you do give us, the life that you give us, that we would do it, use those days to bring honor and glory to you because that's what you deserve. We ask things in Christ's name. Amen.